0: i'm christina and this is erin and you're listening to something to wag about so today we're going to talk about socializing your puppy always a fun topic when you bring a puppy home one of the first things you're going to hear about is how to socialize your puppy everyone will want you to bring the puppy over or to bring the puppy to places and to expose your puppy to lots of different things. There's, there are different lists on the internet of things you can check out that your puppy needs to see before a certain age. Um, There's all sorts of stuff. We're going to talk about how we might do that a little differently and the choices that we make in order to build confident puppies that grow up into confident dogs.
1: Perfect. I love it. Since socialization is such A huge topic. There's lots of different parts to socializing. Let's break it down and talk about each one individually. We can start with kind of a pretty commonly known one, which is we want to socialize our puppy to people. That's a pretty big topic on its own.
0: We have two kinds of puppies. One that is all over people and wants to meet all the people and another puppy who might be a little less sure about it. Maybe they crouch and kind of sneak up to visit people, or maybe they sit back and watch. Some of them might even back away or move away from people. Let's talk about the overconfident, super social puppy first. How can we socialize our confident, outgoing social puppy with humans?
1: So we want to make sure when the confident puppies are saying hi to people that they're doing it with their head in their skull. That's what I always like to tell people that brain (laughs) is in skull. (laughs) And so I'm not just going to let my, we already know they love people, they're confident. So we don't have to worry so much about, you know, them saying hi to every single person. What I'm more worried about is that they're doing it thoughtfully. One thing we can do is ask them pretty much the easiest thing we can before they're going to go and greet someone, which is, can you eat a piece of food? that's pretty much the easiest behavior out there and we can offer them a piece of food and if they happily eat it then i'll let them go say hi to that person
0: so we have we see a person and they go oh my god your puppy's so cute can i say hi and i will say something along the lines of absolutely just give me a second i'll crouch down to my puppy's level see if they can eat a piece of food and if they do i personally have a verbal cue i say go say hi and i allow my puppy to go to the person to go see, go go smell them, see them. And then I also employ a three second rule because often when the puppy goes in, they get so excited and they're sniffing and they're wagging and they're getting really, really excited and then they're gonna start jumping or mouthing because they're super excited to meet their new best friend. So I'll say, go say hi. One, one thousand, two, one thousand, three, one thousand, puppy, puppy, puppy. And I might stick a cookie in front of their nose and lure them or help them with their harness to come back to me, make sure we still have uh, their brain in their skull, as you say. (laughs) And then I'll repeat that process with that same person, maybe two, three, four times to teach them how to greet appropriately.
1: And do you find, I, I feel like what people really struggle with, because puppies are so darn cute, and everybody wants to say hi to your puppy and everybody just wants to love on them and get super excited and they love seeing them jump and all that type of stuff because they're still little and they're cute at that point do you find when you're trying to use this three-second rule that you need to have a dialogue at all with the greeter or do you find that they're pretty good in terms of when you say puppy 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 to try and get your puppy back to you that they kind of take that as a cue to disengage from your puppy?
0: I personally haven't found that having that dialogue ahead of time with people helps at all, because just like we're worried about our puppy's brain staying in their skulls, um, as soon as a person is touching my cute, fluffy little puppy, their brain also leaves their skull and they forgot all the instructions that I gave them. So I find I'll just go right in there, put my hand in the dog's harness, puppy's harness, and cookie on their nose and help them disengage from the person. Usually if they see me doing that, then the person will stop engaging with the puppy because they're curious to what I do. And then as soon as I've got the puppy's attention back, I'll send them back to see the person.
1: Yeah, and I like that you, so you did sneak in there that you'll, you'll stick that, that treat under your nose, especially when they're first, like when they're quite young and you know it's just the first week or so i i have no problem with it at that point in time i don't expect to say especially if they're like in that mid and and the, the people are getting really excited and they're in that mid hello it's really hard for some especially our hypersocial puppies to uh to disengage from that you know i don't expect the puppy to come to their name or anything it's just treat under nose so that they are able to come back to us have their cookie Take a minute yeah. to put brain back in stall, and then yeah, back to it.
0: <laughs> There's a rule that if you're pretty sure your puppy is going to ignore you, don't call your puppy. Yeah, And I think that's one of those times if you have a social puppy and he's meeting his new best friend, don't call your puppy, just go get them
1: yeah. <laughs> with a the cookie. We've <laughs> talked about the confident dogs. So how about the ones that are a little more hesitant to approach someone or they're kind of just hanging back and watching? What do you do different with those dogs?
0: I do many things differently with those dogs. This is where socializing is key. If you have a confident dog, you might not have to worry about it so much about whether or not they see a person with a hat and a person with an umbrella, might not have to worry quite so much. The, The dogs, the puppies that are less confident or less happy to go visit people. We want to make sure that we give them choices and we go at the speed that our puppy is wanting to go at. Back in the day, we used to play a game called pass the puppy, where we'd pick the puppy up and just pass it along to the next person and they'd hold it and we'd stand in a circle or sit in a circle and the puppies had no choice. So now we're gonna do things a lot differently. We're going to ask the puppy if they want to go say hi and allow them to approach the person rather than allowing the person to approach them. And if our puppy chooses not to go see that person, that's okay. I'm not going to let them uh, try to coax the puppy in with cookies or put any pressure on my puppy to go visit people. Going to let them know that it's okay to just stand back and watch people. And that that is a great way to socialize your puppy. They do not actually have to interact with the person for it to be socializing. Socializing means gentle, positive exposures. So whatever distance your puppy needs from the person, whether it's two feet or 10 feet or 10 yards, to watch and just feel happy and confident? So that's the rate we want to go at for the shy puppy.
1: I always say choice is what builds confidence. The puppy knowing that they don't have to go say hi to somebody if they don't want to, they have the choice to walk away, builds that confidence. And then they'll end up being more likely to go in and explore in the future they might they might not get to that point but it's it's more likely that if they know they can walk away if they want to that they may actually get a little braver to to go explore uh so i love that
0: i think too that we have this idea maybe from tv or maybe from having a lot of labradors in our lives family pets that <laughs> dogs like people and yeah. a lot of breeds like their people but they really have no interest in socializing with strangers. I have two border collies. One loves people. There's a tinge of anxiety to that, but she does love her people and she loves meeting people. My other border collie, he couldn't care less if every human being on the face of the earth just poof disappeared. People for him are either tools to throw toys or treat dispensers, but he's not social. He doesn't want people to touch him he doesn't want people to make eye contact with him and tell him how handsome he is he finds that quite aversive and there are a lot of dogs out there like that and if we take them as puppies and put pressure on them to go see people then we can create a lot of challenges as they grow up around Mm -hmm. strangers in the in the environment right (laughs) so to recap when we're socializing to people if your puppy is super social and wants to see them Put a little bit of criteria on that. So a little bit of attention or can they eat the cookie? Can you get them to focus on you a little bit? And then let them go say hi for a quick three-second greeting and then call them away and repeat. If your puppy is insecure or it uninterested in people, be sure to go at their pace and try not to pressure them to see people because that's not the goal of socializing. The goal of so- socializing is to help them feel safe and confident and happy at whatever distance they're happy with.
1: Perfect recap. We did mention on the other, just quick thing with that recap is that when it comes to socializing two people, we really aren't looking at using food at all. No. Even if my dog loves to approach someone, I'm not going to give them food. And if they don't love to approach someone, uh, I'm not going to use food for that either. So that's a big piece to it as well. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I, I don't want to confuse socializing to people with magnetizing my puppy to people because they expect people to have food. Those are different yeah. concepts. And I, I don't want my dogs to be magnetized yep. to strangers exactly. thinking that they might have food, especially for the insecure dog if they think people have food and they go out expecting a cookie and the person doesn't have a cookie. And then maybe they cough or they trip. Now my puppies become startled by that person. Yeah. Good point, Aaron. We've discussed humans, socializing your puppy to humans. How would you socialize your puppy to other dogs?
1: Just like with people, we can break that down into dogs that are happy to approach other dogs and really want to play with them and then there's the dogs that again might hang back or or show being a little submissive or something like that to other dogs So they're just a a little insecure so we can talk about the confident dogs first so the ones that are just always going in tail wag and loose body and just want to rough and tumble and play with all the puppies when i'm socializing my puppy to those dogs i i do think it's important for dogs to have especially social dogs to have the opportunity to play with dog friends. I still am going to just like with people add that bit of criteria in to make sure brains and skull at the beginning before they get to go in and and have a sniff or a play. Uh, If we're talking about maybe just passing someone, so there's two dogs, my puppy's on a leash and there's another dog on a leash. I'll ask that person just to hold on for a second. Well, usually I first ask if they're okay with puppies because not all dogs are okay with puppies. And it's really important that your dog is meeting some dogs that are going to give him a good experience, a positive experience. First ask that that puppy, that that dog is okay to meet my puppy and that he likes puppies. And then I'm going to ask my dog something easy again, just eating a treat. And if he can eat a treat, then I will let him go in and I will still use that same three second rule. So I'll let him sniff the other dog. They can kind of have a high and then three seconds. I'm going to use my treat magnet to get him back out and have a piece of food. And and I'll do that a few times. And then there's the other situation of when they're not on leash And I'm going to let them actually play a little bit with young puppies. I'm quite particular with who I'm going to let my dog play with. I I won't usually just let my dog play with strange dogs. I don't know because we want to make sure, again, it's a positive experience. And if you just don't know how another dog is going to react, it's, you know, better safe than sorry. So I'll choose my either adult dogs or another puppy, maybe. And again, brain and skull. So I'll see if they can eat a treat or look at me or something like that. And then I will let them go play. And I will give them more time to actually just play and, you know, be puppies. If there's two puppies playing together, be puppies. Um, if it's an adult and the adults are having fun, I'll let them play a little bit. But I do make a point to, depending on the energy of the play, I'll let them go longer or shorter, but I still make a point to call my puppy out a play now and then to come and have a, have a treat and make sure the brain's still in the skull and then <laughs> they can go in for another play.
0: You brought up a really great point there. And that is... Greetings on leash. And I know there are some very big feelings in the world about whether or not dogs should get to say hi to each other when they're on leash. I think you and I are on the same page where we do allow on leash greetings. And I just want to talk about that for a second because yeah, ideally in a world, if you don't know the dog and everyone's on leash, it might set things up to be a little tense, but we want to read the scenario, read the dogs uh, and ask the owners before we allow them to go in and say hi. The other piece is that on greetings are kind of a part of life in the area where we live. And I want my dog to be comfortable with that. Uh, I don't want that to be really weird when my dog is an adolescent feeling full of themselves and hormonal for a different dog to approach them on leash and for that to be really weird. I would like to socialize my dog to that experience when they're a puppy, ideally or when they're new to me, so that that experience of being on leash and having some restriction and having another dog that might be held back a little bit, that's normal and that they know how to handle that scenario.
1: I love that you pointed it out. It's an excellent, excellent topic, really, on its own in that because there is a lot of, (laughs) there is a lot of, you know, you could go on forever, but there is a lot of um, talk as to whether or not it's appropriate or not. But yeah, my main reason for doing it is because, yeah, it's going to happen in life. I don't want to have to hide around the corner or, you know, go 20 feet off the trail (laughs) every time I'm going to pass someone on a leash. So I want to make sure that my dogs are okay with a quick sniff when there's maybe a tiny bit of leash tension. I mean, when they're puppies, I do try and make sure or even when I let my adult dog. Great. I I try and make sure it's a loose leash, but every now and then there's going to be a bit of tension. Yeah, I want to make sure it's normal for my dog. So that is why I do it.
0: One more point to consider with our confident, outgoing dog social puppies is that in order to prevent leash frustration later on in life, we want to make sure we set a really strong precedent now of most dogs we see, we just sit and eat cookies. We don't actually say hi. If we have a hypersocial puppy, we want to instill in them that dogs can pass us we don't get to drag our person up to those dogs every single time because when they're no longer this cute little bundle of adorable fluff and we say and people don't want them coming up to their dogs then the puppy isn't going wait a minute i get to say hi to all the dogs i get to be super social. And then we get a lot of frustration and we can get some, some pretty big feelings on the leash. And that's a a very common reason I'm called out to help with behavior right now is uh, leash frustration. So nine, 19 out of 20 dogs, we don't get to say hi. And then that one dog looks super friendly and waggy and like, okay, go say hi.
1: Yeah. That's an excellent, very important point. We talked about the confident. How about the insecure dogs who might be a little intimidated or scared to to go in and, and say hi to a dog?
0: With those puppies, I'm even more careful about who I allow them to socialize with because I really don't, if they're already insecure, I really don't want them to have a bad experience. Again, just like with people, I will stand back and allow my puppy the opportunity to approach the other dog if they would like to. But I will step beside if someone, if if I'm on the street and someone's gonna let their dog drag them up to me, I'll pick up my puppy or I'll block, I'll stand between them and I'll say, no, thank you. So that my puppy feels that they have some choice in the interaction. And if it looks like a calm dog and and the person says, oh, can my dog say hi, he loves puppies. I'll say, sure. Is he calm? Can he sit? And if they can say, yeah, my dog can sit. If they can ask their dog to be calm, then I'll ask my puppy or give them permission. Do you want to go say hi, buddy? And kind of take a step in and and kind of physically give them permission to go say hi if they want. And if they choose not to, that's okay. But I I will prevent the other dog from going into my puppy space. Yeah, it's
1: a, it's such an important point when we have the insecure dogs. And I I say, you know, be an advocate for your dog, make sure that the the puppy knows that you've got its back essentially so that Mm -hmm. um, it can trust that, you know, if another dog is coming into its space, you'll be there to help moderate that. So that. He, he can still maintain his space, but he just doesn't feel the need to, to escalate. Essentially. He knows that he'll, he'll be able to be safe in his spot. It is such an important point to, mm-hmm. to either step in between, or if you need to pick up your puppy so that the other dog doesn't invade its bubble <laughs> uh, to call it. <laughs>
0: back, back in the day, we used to just put a big X-pen up or a couple of X-pens to just plunk all the puppies in and let them figure it out. And I look back on that now and I cringe those poor puppies um, if if we are allowing puppy play, I always make sure there's some way for my puppy to say no thank you and to escape. So that might mean chairs or blocks, something that my puppy can kind of go behind me, for instance. Um, and if I see a puppy that is asking for space, I'll step in and make sure they get that space. super important that if they ask for space by backing away or hiding under something or hiding behind a person, that we respect that ask. And that we step in and help them so that, like you say, they don't feel the need to escalate their mm-hmm. communication into a growl or a snarl or or worse, because their subtle communication is being respected. Yeah, socializing like just like with people, socializing doesn't mean interacting with; it means having the experience at whatever level your puppy is comfortable with, and that might mean sitting. 10 feet or 10 yards away or 20 yards away, and just watching. And if that's where your puppy feels comfortable, then that's where they feel comfortable. And that's where we start. And it's important to realize that, you know, we watch dogs on TV that have conversations and full relationships with each other. And we want these big friend groups for our dogs, but a lot of dogs, a lot of breeds were specifically bred not to be dog social. So if you have a dog with those genetics is not necessarily fair to expect them to be dog social and it's okay to teach them to be dog neutral or to be not interested in playing with other dogs, even as puppies.
1: hundred percent. Yep. Even as puppies, they might just choose, choose to hang back and watch or just take a look and and disengage and go sniff and do whatever else they prefer to do, which is, yeah, it's totally, totally fine. And very normal, as you said, for, for a lot of breeds of dogs.
0: Especially in our our crowds where we have dogs that have big feelings because we want dogs that run extra fast and have big, big feelings about balls and Frisbees and all those things uh, that they also sometimes have big feelings about their space or their people or about whether or not they interact with other dogs. that's fair. People
1: and dogs tend to be what a lot of people first think of when they have to socialize their their puppies. Let's kind of go on to the next. Well, I do like to split. So I like to split sounds out. There's socializing to sounds and depending on what dog you have, but many dogs do tend to be, or are, and they're even bred to be quite alert and notice sounds. I think it's important when dogs are young to make sure that they're exposed to a variety of different noises. How do you go about teaching your dogs or socializing your dogs to noises?
0: That is a great question. (laughs) Firstly, we want to remember that socializing is not scaring our dogs or flooding or overwhelming our dogs. So we want to keep the noises at a level that our puppies notice but that doesn't scare them or create big feelings. If we're creating big feelings about the the dog, the person, the sound, then we're actually likely sensitizing our dog to those things, not socializing them to it. And so with sounds, one of my favorite games is my magic box. And I have this big box. It's a kind of a Tupperware box. And I will put things in it that make sounds, so a water bottle with rocks in it might be in there, an easy button might be in there. Um, Lots of things that make noise when the dog interacts with it, and then I stay out of the picture. I'm going to put my little magic box out, sprinkle treats in it, and I will pretend it's invisible. And if my puppy chooses to go interact with it, they are in complete control of those sounds. They move things, they clang and bang. And the puppy learns that when they interact with stuff, sometimes things move and sometimes things make noise and it's all good. And there's treats and the puppy has the ability to just walk away if they want or just stand back and look if they want. But I don't pressure them at all to interact with those things.
1: So just something I want to highlight that you said, because I think it's really important is controlling the level of the noise because we need to remember that distance is how we create a lot of confidence like distance and choice and when it comes to when it comes to noises we can't we can't physically get distance from a noise but we can control the volume of the noise and that's essentially kind of how we can create distance in a in a in a way so i think that's a really important point we want to make sure that something isn't too loud to start. And I, I like your magic box. I do actually do something quite similar, but when I'm first doing it, especially if I've noted that I do have a dog that, you know, it hears a noise and it's immediately like turning to check it out. So they are a little more aware of noises. I will start very easy and I will be using things like plastic containers and even like some crinkly bags, but nothing like necessarily metal or like even something like rocks or something to shake. I wouldn't necessarily use that right away. I would in my magic box, or I sometimes even make a a magic pile so that they kind of go and sniff. And as they're sniffing around, you know, some stuff like two plastic bowls stacked together, it might fall and make a tiny little clank. And they might startle a little bit and I don't, I'm okay if my dog startles a little bit, as long as they are then happy to go and re-investigate. like they're still curious about it. So they're startled, but then they're happy to go back in. If they startle and they like, they're like, I got to get out of Dodge and they try and leave the room Then I know I've like gone way over. And mm-hmm. it's my goal to start too easy. I'd rather it be like super easy for my dog when I'm playing these games rather than accidentally go overboard. So I do start with the, the really easy foam, even like I'll, <laughs> I'll use really soft sounds and then slowly add, you know, harder plastic and then eventually metals and, and that type of thing.
0: It's always better to start very easy and up your criteria quickly than to start hard and scare your puppy. And then have to backtrack and make a plan then to fix what we just broke yeah so how would you handle if you're out with your puppy and you're not planning on working on sound sensitivity or sound socialization how would you handle it if you're out with your dog and somebody just comes screaming by on a shopping cart (laughs) something really loud (laughs) happens or a big truck or sirens something that does scare your puppy while you're out and it wasn't a planned event
1: I was going to say it depends but you've just added the uh it does scare so we're assuming that some sound has happened and our puppy has had a bit of a a bit of a startle um in those cases I usually just so say an ambulance has gone by and it was horribly loud and the puppy did look at it and try and run away I pretty much just continue on i'll use my little happy voice so he had a little bit of a startle you know if it's an ambulance coming i'll actually just try and go in the other direction happy ways come on buddy let's go this way and he's following me along i pretty much just continue on with my walk i don't tend to make a big deal out of it i don't try and follow the ambulance and feed cookies (laughs) as i'm following the ambulance In those cases when my dog's already scared, I'm not then going to try and shove foods in its mouth. Like the startle, the, the fear has already happened in that case. So I pretty much just continue on, move away from the thing if it is a continuous noise. So I'm going to get make it softer, make it quieter by moving away. And honestly, I pretty much leave it at that. I don't, I don't then go if it was an ambulance, I don't then go seek out all the ambulances to try and <laughs> deal- desensitize to the ambulances because as you kind of mentioned before that actually could end up creating sensitization I just continue on with my magic box games and be introducing noises that way rather than actually trying to go out into the world and finding these these things that my puppy once was scared of
0: Mm -hmm. I split out surfaces just like you split out sounds And because for myself, I do a lot of shows and performances and competitions with my dogs where they need to feel comfortable or I hope they feel comfortable walking on many different surfaces. And that can be a big problem for dogs as adults if they haven't been socialized to surfaces as a puppy. So my plan for surfaces starts at home in my kitchen or my living room, my training space. And I teach my puppy to put their front feet up on many different things. So I start with something really easy, like a pillow. And then I work up to a pot that might be slippery and metal. And I'll use one of the balance pads uh, that feels funny and pokey under their feet. And then once I've trained that as a very solid behavior at home, which takes maybe a few weeks, then when I go out, every time I see a different surface, I'm gonna do the same thing. So it's a behavior they know, I'll start with a log or a post or a stump or, you know, a concrete barrier, things that they might have seen already in the house, and I'll teach them that pause up behavior on all of the different surfaces and make a fun game out of the game that they already know around those surfaces.
1: Yeah, we absolutely can split out surfaces. I mean, I do for my dogs, mainly because just like you, we do sports with our dogs and it is really important for them. Um, I mean, I'm also a big fitness person, so I like to know my dogs are happy to put their feet up on everything. And it is something I do at home. Just like I make a magic box, I actually will start to incorporate things that my dog just has to walk over to, to get, like whether it's a tarp or aluminum. Things. I, I, it's not necessarily always just putting front feet on. I will just put stuff on the ground for them to go and investigate.
0: So, the last category is anything novel. When I'm out with a puppy and there's something new to that puppy and they're watching, I'll just stop and let them watch. Again, I don't use food. I'm just going to let them watch. If they want to move away, we will absolutely move away from that and watch from further back. But I'm big on if the puppy goes, oh, that's weird. I'm going to stand there and just let them explore that at their own pace. I'm not going to coax them or drop cookies around, whatever it is, trying to convince them that it's a good thing. I'm just going to stay out of it for the most part and let them figure out. Now, if I'm finding out that my puppy is definitely afraid of bicycles, then I'll make a plan around that. But unless I have a problem, I'm, I'm just going to stay out of it. I'm yep. going to let the puppy explore the world at their own rate.
1: Yep. Definitely. And I like how you say, if you notice that they have a problem. And I do know that past experiences for some people can create a bit of a a hypervigilance on our part. Mm -hmm. You know, you have a dog that is scared of skateboards. So maybe you get your next dog and a skateboard's coming and you're like, oh no. I don't want this to be a thing again. And then maybe you actively try and do something like the skateboard's coming and now we're going to feed food or this type of thing. But it's really important to to view each dog as an individual as they are and to try our best to not make a big deal of anything unless you notice that your dog is actually doing something out of the norm. You know, maybe they, a skateboard goes by and they do bark and lunge and it's like, okay, well, there is a thing there that maybe we, we need to develop a training plan for, but Assume there's no problem unless the puppy tells you otherwise.
0: We're creating emotional responses in res- when the dog sees something novel in the environment. We are watching to see what they do and hoping it is all positive. And when we see that there's a problem, we interrupt that and make a training plan. But we also want to be aware of our own emotional responses. So if your last dog was, Attacked by a shaggy brown dog. Now you might have emotional responses, negative emotional responses to seeing shaggy brown dogs approach you and your new puppy. And so, you know, in those cases, it's okay to just walk away and not socialize that in an uncontrolled way. You want to make a plan, have a trainer with you or a friend who knows some stuff and have some support around that. But also, you know, maybe in addition to having some cookies for your puppy on you, you have some chocolate. And every time you see a shaky brown dog, (laughs) you can have a bite of chocolate and we can change our own conditioned emotional responses to those things too. (laughs) Because it's it's a team sport. It's okay if we have anxiety. It's okay if we have a negative association with certain things in the environment. We can help ourselves too. And it's okay for us to have those feelings, especially if we've had some negative experiences in the past. Yep.
1: I love that. One last little thing I want to touch on with novel things in the environment is what do you do if you notice that your dog is looking at something and they're going to approach it and then they start to bark at it and I don't necessarily mean bark and lunge but you know just kind of the the bark bark like how you usually see when a dog is barking at itself in a mirror <laughs>
0: I'll stay out of it if yeah. it's just that little boof boof, yeah. boof I'm just going to stay out of it and let them figure it out. Yeah. Um, with the, you know, with the caveat there that if they're barking at a person or another dog and that person looks uncomfortable or dog looks scared or uncomfortable, I will interrupt and take my puppy out of that scenario. First and foremost, everybody has a right to feel safe in the world. <laughs> but if, if it's something that just little thing, I'll just stay out of it and let my puppy figure it out. A lot of the time we just get in the way and, and manage our dogs way too much. We just need to let them sort some stuff out. If on the other hand, they're jumping up and down and going, oh, whoa, 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 I'm going to say, let's go. I think we're just going to move away. Or I might just pick up my puppy and move them out of that scenario when they're already in that state. I'm not going to then train it at that moment. I'm just going to take my puppy in and move away and make some distance.
1: Yeah. I also, I don't know if you're the same on this one. So say that happened. I was passing a, a fire. I'm, I'm picking on fire hydrants because they look weird. And I find sometimes <laughs> at some point in time, a puppy has some sort of emotional response to a fire hydrant. Mm -hmm. Um, If my puppy did have that type of response where I felt the need to pick him up and move on, I usually have a bit of a rule depending on the severity, but a bit of a rule where if it happens once, it really could have just been a one-off. I don't Mm. make a big deal, a big training plan. If it happens once, take my puppy out of a situation, we go home, whatever we all go about our life. And then, you know, maybe a few days later, I'll see if I fire hydrant and I just walk by it like, like it's nothing. And a lot of the times I find that it was just a one-off, like depending on the thing, but a lot of times it, it can just be a one-off and because we're not making a big deal out of it, puppies just like, doesn't even notice it the second time.
0: That's a great point.
1: Don't yeah.
0: make a big deal of a one-off event. Often yeah. it's just a one-off event and that's part of them developing.
1: Yeah. To end, do you have any funny socialization experiences you had either with your dogs or a client's dogs?
0: <laughs> oh, I love puppies. So <laughs> I actually have two very funny ones with Enzo that come to mind. <laughs> when Enzo was about uh, 14 weeks, we were at a feed store, pet supply feed store, where I used to buy all of my dog food. And we were walking through, and he is such a confident puppy. He wasn't afraid of anything. He wasn't afraid of the airplane to get here. He was never, and so was never afraid of anything as a puppy. And we're walking down the aisle, and he stopped dead. And he started backing up, and his eyes were going to pop out of his head. His tail was up to his chin. there was a little garden ornament of a beagle puppy. <laughs> right at his eye level. <laughs> he thought it was some sort of evil, evil thing. It was so funny, and um, I, my puppy was terrified. But we we're all laughing because you know it's obviously not an actual life or death um, experience. And uh, we backed up, and I, we let him back away. And we came around the aisle from the other direction, so now he wasn't going to be surprised by it. He knew it was there, so he comes yeah. slinking around the other end of the aisle. And he goes up and he sniffs like his whole back end was pretty much as far away from this little deep toy as could possibly be. And he's suddenly like three feet long because he stretched out so far and he sniffs it. And then he does a little shake and he's like, oh, that was stupid. <laughs> <laughs> it was really cute to see even my super confident little guy
1: something caught him by surprise and yep. then that was it <laughs> I think that is hilarious hold on. so you made me think of something and I gotta I gotta share because it it's, it's similar uh now be not as confident so so not as surprising but I had her down town with me and there was this fountain and around the fountain there were different statues so kind of at each like think of a square at each corner of the square, there was a different statue. One of the statues, I I can't even remember what they all were, but one of them is this wolf. And and it happened that the wolf was the last one we were going to, because I was just letting her, she was kind of sniffing the water. I was just letting her walk around and she was completely happy by the first three. And then when she went up to sniff the wolf, she was just like, whoa, like (laughs) backed right up. Like, even went up a little bit like she got really like tense and she just couldn't figure this thing out (laughs) it was funny like she she did eventually do the whole stretch out thing and kind of sniff it and then we turned around and actually just walked the the other way around the fountain she was sniffing everything again and then when we got it was funny because when I went the other direction it was set up so that now she was approaching it, so that it was from the, the hind end. <laughs> so she actually went up and like sniffed the hind end of this little oh, wolf. <laughs> <laughs>